Uh, my name is Andrea, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it's so good to be with you this morning um, in this virtual space. If you're joining us in Zoom or on YouTube, I'm just grateful that we can be together at least in this way while we still miss each other. As Watson said, we're currently in a series called Learning to Pray. We're exploring the Lord's prayer, which is the prayer that Jesus teaches his followers to pray in Matthew 6. And it's a prayer that we pray together as a community every Sunday. And we're hoping to, in this series, um, better understand as a community the role of prayer in our lives, in our faith, and in our context. And so we're walking through this as a sermon series. And we're engaging in different communal and individual prayer practices together over the next few weeks. It has been good to pray with folks during our Lenten morning prayers, which I'll just plug again here. Um, we're praying together on Zoom every weekday morning at 7 a.m. until Easter. It's about 15, 20 minutes and you do not have to turn your camera on. Um, <laughs> so we would love to have you, um, if you're able to join us on, uh, weekday mornings at seven to pray together. So a couple weeks ago, Matthew kicked off our series on prayer and learning to pray. And he established sort of our working understanding of prayer as communing with God and calling on God to come through on the things God promises. So communing with God and calling on God to come through on God's promises. Last week, Justin looked at the opening of the Lord's Prayer, which is the address to God as our Father in heaven. And he emphasized the communal nature of this prayer, our Father. He emphasized the connectedness that the discipline and practice of prayer should cultivate in us and the intimacy of our prayers to God as our good heavenly parent. So we want to continue exploring the importance of prayer. We want to recognize both our own limitations and our helplessness and also God's ability and God's commitment to God's people. And we want to be known as a people of prayer. This morning, we're continuing on in the Lord's Prayer in verse 9. We're looking at the line of the prayer, may your name be honored. As we explain each week before we pray together in our liturgy, we use a version of the Lord's Prayer that has contemporary language. As a side note, I don't know if this happens to you, but whenever I'm in any other setting in which we're praying the Lord's Prayer like the traditional version, the Christ City version always messes me up. People are like, what are you saying? Um, I don't think I'm the only one, but yes, this has become a problem. <laughs> um, it can be really helpful to read different translations and versions of scripture. Um, it helps to expand our understanding of a text like this. And in this, you might have heard or read other translations of the prayer and specifically of this part of the prayer, may your name be honored, like uphold the holiness of your name or let your name be kept holy. The most familiar probably is the traditional translation, which is hallowed be your name. 
I used to think that this part of the prayer was a declaration, like hallowed is your name, God. And particularly as it's translated traditionally, hallowed be your name. But the Greek word that's, translate, that's translated as hallowed is a verb. And so these translations actually hold the essential nature of this part of the prayer, which is actually asking something of God. The Lord's prayer, the prayer that Jesus uses as a model for us starts with a petition. It starts with our father in heaven, may your name be honored or may your name be hallowed. God uphold the holiness of your name. We're not simply declaring to God, your name is holy, even though that's true, but we're petitioning God to make it so and to continue to make it so. One of my favorite translations of this part of the prayer, may your name be honored, is from the message translation of the Bible, which reads, our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. We're asking God to reveal who God is and be true to God's own name. So if we're asking God to be true to God's name, it is helpful to know what that name is. <laughs> in the Old Testament, in the time of the nation of Israel, in the ancient Near East, the name of a God indicated part of the essential nature of that God. And in the Old Testament, different aspects of God's character and nature are highlighted by the names used to designate God. So there's El Roy, the God who sees me, El Shaddai, God Almighty, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. These are all powerful and these are all indicative of an aspect of God's character even though God's character is not limited to any of these particular characteristics. So in the first of the texts that we're looking at today, which is Exodus 3, we're able to see the name that God puts on God's self. So in the narrative in Exodus 3, Moses is standing before a burning bush in which the Lord is speaking to him about setting the Israelites free from Egyptian oppression and God reveals that Moses is going to be the one sent to Pharaoh to release the Israelites. So we're going to pick up here in verse 13 of Exodus chapter 3. But Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, thus you shall say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this my title for all generations. God names God's self in this text, I am, which in Hebrew is Yahweh. The name God chooses is Yahweh, or the one who brings into being, the one who is. And in contrast with the names 
given to God in the Old Testament, this name doesn't limit God's nature to any particular characteristic. God is what God is. God doesn't need a name that specifically describes a trait because God is just all-encompassing. God's name represents who God is. And when we ask for God's name to be honored, to be hallowed, to be kept holy, we're asking for a revelation of who God is by God's name. And we're asking for that name to matter the most above everything else in the world and in our lives. The Greek root word that's translated as hallowed or honored in this prayer actually appears throughout the New Testament in other ways like um, sanctify, may the God of peace sanctify you, um, or holy, be holy as I am holy. To honor God's name, to hallow it, is for God's name to be distinct, for it to be set apart and set higher, highest. This is a call for us to honor God's name, and it's a call for God to honor God's own name, to act for the sake of God's own name. In the book of Ezekiel, which is our second text today, we find the Israelites about 700 years after the exodus from Egypt. They've been conquered by Babylon and they've been living as a nation in exile for about 70 years. Ezekiel the prophet receives a word from the Lord, again, promising Israel's rescue and restoration. In chapter 36 of Ezekiel, God reveals the motivation for the promised restoration. So this is verse 22 and 23 of chapter 36 of Israel, of Ezekiel. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations in which you have profaned among them. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when through you I display my holiness before their eyes. God is about honoring God's own name, about acting in such a way that it reveals who God is in an unmistakable way. I will sanctify my great name and the nations shall know that I am the Lord. God is acting for the sake of God's own name, both here in Ezekiel and in Exodus. Both scripture narratives describe God liberating people from captors in exile and restoring and transforming those people. This is a hallowing of God's name. When God keeps the promises God has made, this is a hallowing of God's name. God will act for God's own name because that's who God is. But the prayer isn't just about that. It's also an invitation and an exhortation for us to participate in the hallowing of God's name. It is to the church's shame that we have profaned God's name even while we pray this prayer together. The church has a long history of misusing God's name from the Crusades 
to the marginalization and rejection of our LGBTQ siblings. We profane God's name when we fail to remember who God is, when we fail to remember what God has done, and when we fail to remember what we truly want God to do. Because God's name is who God is, when we profane that name, we're like Israel. We're bringing disrepute to what God has done and to the ways that God has consistently acted on our behalf. Well, how then do we honor God's name? We honor and hallow God's name by becoming participants in the hallowing for which we pray. And I want to suggest, church, that we do this in two ways. First, we honor God's name by praising God for who God is. We honor God's name by praising God. God is so good that when God does things for the sake of God's own name, justice, mercy, and love abound every time. And we praise God because God embodies the very essence of goodness and wholeness. And because God wants those things for everything in creation. We praise God because even God's name is powerful enough to overcome evil. God's name is powerful enough to transform darkness to light, to bring life from death. We honor the name of God by praising God. And second, we hallow God's name by aligning ourselves with who we know God to be. When we pursue justice, we hallow God's name. When we eradicate sin in our lives, we hallow God's name. When we take up Micah 6 and act justly and we love mercy and we walk humbly, we hallow God's name. When we allow our desires and our prayers to be shaped by what we know of God's character, we hallow God's name. And there's a link here between prayer and transformation. This is the first petition of the Lord's Prayer. May your name be honored. When our priority is to honor God's name in this way, what we pray for changes when we desire for God's name, for God's reputation to be upheld, it requires transformation. A people marked by prayer is a people marked by their alignment with the name of God. There's so much we're saying when we pray, hallowed be your name. We're not just praying, may your name be honored. But as I read in a commentary this week, what we're asking of God is much greater than that. We're saying, yes, may your name be honored. May you be honored, revered, respected because of who you are. God, may your reputation, your name, your person, your character be untarnished. May it be uncontaminated. May nothing be done to debase or defame your record. May you be worshiped by your whole creation. May the whole cosmos resound with your praise. May the whole world be freed from injustice, from disfigurement, from sin, from death, and may your name be hallowed. 
each week in our small groups through this series, we've been engaging in different prayer practices together. And this week to embody and practice what it means to hallow God's name, we're gonna be praying the names and attributes of God in praise and in petition. We're gonna praise the God who is Jehovah Jireh, who provides for us and petition God to make provision where there seems to be none. We're gonna pray to the God who is Jehovah Nisi, the God who is our banner, the one in which we can claim victory and ask for strength and sustenance when defeat feels very imminent. We'll pray to the God who is omnipotent and omnipresent. We'll praise God for God's constant presence and ask for the ability to sense that presence even when we feel far away from it. We can do this because we know that God's name is who God is. We can sing that we believe in the saving power, that we believe in the healing power of the name because we know that God saves and God heals. We can pray, may your name be honored because we are assured that God acts according to God's name and character and that that is always, always good. So this week, church, this is our prayer. God, may we be defined by your name. May we be identified with it. As the psalmist writes in Psalm 23, would you lead us in right paths for your name's sake? God, may your name be honored by us and through us in your power. Amen.